the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And when we reject the one and only true God, the sky's the limit on what we will accept as truth. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today we are continuing our message titled Moment of Truth in John chapter 12. Yes, Jesus came to die, yet before he died, he was the ultimate servant. As he glorified the Father in his every move. And the Father said with a thunderous voice from heaven, I have glorified it. This is the third time the Father has spoke from heaven. The first was when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The second time was on Mount of Transfiguration when Peter and John and James woke up. They saw Jesus speaking to Moses and and Elijah. And that's when Peter blurted out, hey, we should build three tabernacles, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And that's when the voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Meaning, shh, you should have one mouth and two ears open. Listen to him. And then, of course, we have him speaking now. I have glorified it. All pointing to Jesus as the Father would be glorified, as Jesus would die on the cross. For his death will be the foundation of man's redemption. Jesus said in verse 32, If I be lifted up from the earth, talking about him being crucified and lifted up on a cross and hanging as he had prophesied some thousand years earlier on Psalm 22, talking about I am just a worm, I'm the tola, I've been crushed, and I, my hands are pierced and my feet are pierced, that he would draw all men to himself. All men. Every nationality. Every color skin. Every shape of eye, every man, every woman, I will draw all to myself. Yes, the people understood what he said. That's why they commented on verse 34 by saying, if you're the Messiah, you're the son of man. They knew that him referring to himself as the son of man was the Messiah because in Daniel, in the Old Testament, in chapter 7, verse 13, talking about the the Savior, the Messiah that would live forever, that would be forevermore, he was called the son of man. So they said, if you are the son of man, if you're the Messiah, aren't you supposed to remain forever? See, they were confused in their mind because there's scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about the Messiah and his ministry would go on forever. So they could have quoted him and saying, well, hold on a second. The Messiah is going to rule and reign forever. And they could have said, well, Isaiah 9 says this in verse 6. It says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given 
to us. The government will rest on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we know that's the Messiah, right? This baby born, he's going to grow up. The government's going to be, you know, on his shoulders and he's the everlasting God. And then it goes on to say in the next verse, verse seven, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace from then on and forevermore. So they're confused. Like, what are you talking about being lifted up? You're talking about dying. Like, what do you mean? Because in the Old Testament, this Messiah is going to go on forevermore. And that was true. There was going to be no end to Jesus. And he will come back for each and every one of us. Then we will be with him in heaven forever and ever. But that's only reading part of the story. Part of the story. For Isaiah went on to say in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, and he went on to say, he says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief as a result of the anguish of his soul. He will bear their iniquities the anxiety, the anguish of his soul. He will bear their iniquities. Yes, the Messiah was going to rule and reign forever and ever right after he came and died for our sins. But again, the people didn't get that. The disciples didn't get that. Nobody got that. It was a moment of truth though that they didn't comprehend. Jesus went on to say in verse 35 and 36, walk in the light. Again, what? Our light? The light bulbs here? No, 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 no. Jesus said back in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but they shall have the light of life. They shall have the light of life. He is the light of the world. And where does he dwell? Right here. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? See, we have no light to offer people. Here, come and follow my light. What light do you have? What light do I have? But when people look in our eyes, they see his light. See, we have him to offer. So it's like, what's different about you? Hey, something's different about you. You're not like us anymore. What's happened to you? It's the light of Christ that's shining outside of you. Yes, Jesus is the light. We can only walk in his true light. And when we walk in him, we are walking in that light. Yet if we do not walk in him, according to the written word of God, then we are not walking in light. Rather, we are walking in darkness. If you don't have Christ alive inside of you, you are walking in darkness. Let me ask you, are you walking in the light or are you living in darkness? There can be no meshing of the two. Today in our culture, we see so many trying to walk in both. One foot in the light and one foot in the darkness. It's light and dark. No, you can't do that. I wonder if that would describe any of us here today. Are you awake in the dark and asleep in the light? That's why Jesus said in verse 36, you must believe in me. You must choose to walk in the light. Make no mistake about it. Oh, it is a choice. And many in our present culture have chosen to walk in the dark. 
which is the polar opposite of light, meaning it's a choice that we make to live by our own standards according to what we think is right in our opinion. It's a purposed choice to reject what God has clearly spoken to us through his written word, the Bible. That's when you take your opinion over what God's word says. Well, I know the Bible says that, but I think this. Who cares what you think? (laughs) The Bible says what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what we think. Notice what he did at the end of verse 36. He departed and he hid himself. It's like he was saying, I need to get out of here for a second and you need to think about this. Do not miss the gravity of the choice. It is without question the biggest decision that we will ever make in this life. As Bob Dylan sang on his Slow Train Coming album, you gotta serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. I wonder who it will be for you. Because regardless of what we say, regardless of our lifestyle, we will tell the truth by our own choices. It was Edward Bulwer that said this quote, the easiest person to deceive is oneself. The easiest person to deceive is you because well, we justify ourselves. Oh, well, yes, but you know, uh, mm, uh, this is the way I have chosen to live because of this. And we justify ourselves and we deceive ourselves. It's interesting to note that this group of people that Jesus is talking to, they have seen many, many miracles with the granddaddy at the end. Oh my goodness, you raised a man who was dead in the tomb for four days. As his sister Martha told Jesus when he said, roll the tombstone away. She said, "Uh, I think he stinketh by now. (laughs) Yes, he probably does, but I can fix that. Doesn't he fix all of our stink? (laughs) You can take that a long ways. Anyway, (laughs) yes, which brings us to a place and a truth here. Because in verse 37, it says that they did not believe. These people had seen miracle after miracle and a miracle and many did not believe. So this is a truth that many will not want to hear. And what is that? God hates unbelief. God hates unbelief. Hebrews 3 tells us that God did not allow, what, two, three million people that came out of Egypt, counting the men, the women, the children, that came out of Egypt with Moses. He did not allow them to enter the promised land. Why? Because of their unbelief. It was Jesus in Matthew 13 that could do no miracles in his own hometown. Again, why? Because of their unbelief. Wait a second. This is Jesus, his dad's Joseph, his mom's Mary. We got his brothers and sisters around here. What? Has he got a Messiah complex? He did no miracles there. Know this. God is so gracious to us, as you know. God can, you know, we can see his loving kindness and his mercy moving inside of us. He's so compassionate in our weaknesses and he, and he's so forever ready to forgive us. And he's always desiring to reason with us, with you and me. Did he not try to reason with Cain as he was trying to kill his brother Abel? He says, don't you know that sin is knocking on the door of your heart? But you must master it. He tried to reason. Why are you thinking the things you're thinking, Cain, about your brother Abel? He tries to reason with us and help us out in whatever dire circumstances that we find ourselves in. Yet, if we allow our hearts to not believe, if we have allowed unbelief to fill us inside, 
it will seize and stop our faith. It will cause us to stumble in our ability to follow him. And notice what it goes on to say in John chapter 12, verse 39. He says, for this cause, they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and he hardened their heart. Least they see with their eyes and they perceive with their heart and be converted. And I heal them. See, God says, I'm going to harden your heart because of your unbelief. That word harden means I'm going to confirm what's already in there. You're acting like you believe, but you really don't believe. So I'm going to confirm your unbelief to you. God says, it's not okay for you not to believe. You're not going to believe thou the obvious truth that I've spoken to you because you doubt inside of you. So therefore, I'm going to make it even harder on you. He backs this up and confirms this in 2 Thessalonians 2.10. He says, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, why are they perishing? Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Like you didn't grab onto it. You knew it was true, yet didn't take it. So therefore, he goes on to say in verse 11 of 2 Thessalonians 2, he says, and for this reason, God will send upon you a deluding influence so that you might believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but they took pleasure in wickedness. I'm going to put what I know is truth off because I want to thrive in wickedness. So I'm going to put the truth off and I'm going to thrive in this. I know what's right, but I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to thrive in wickedness. This is amazing. God says, if you reject my truth, his written word, then he will send upon you a deluding influence. And again, what does that mean? It means that you will believe what is false, no matter how crazy it is, and you will accept it as truth. Consider the evolutionist. He believes that everything we see just happened on its own. It just happened through a series of evolution over billions of years, all the way back to the big bang that happened that NASA now says happened 13.7 billion years ago. So everything happened through just random acts of chance. Yet God lays claim to our own complex cell structure he lays claims to our own individual eye, individual beings, our own DNA strands inside that we are all completely unique and different along with everything that is seen. He says, I created it. Romans 1.20 says, from the time that the world was created, people have seen the earth, they've seen the sky and all that God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds have become dark and confused, claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. How does an orange tree, you pull an orange off, you enjoy it. Oh, this is really great. Wow, look at this orange. You pull the skin off, you pull the slices off, and then you open up the slice, and there's all these intricate little packets of orange juice. And in the midst of that, there's a little seed there. You can take that seed out, plant it in the ground. It'll grow an orange tree that will produce hundreds of thousands of oranges in its lifetime. It's like, gee, that just happened. Just happened. 
You got bunny rabbits. Oh, look at the little bunny rabbit. Oh, they two get together. Whoa, there's a lot more bunny rabbits. Whoa, whoa. Bunny rabbits everywhere. How did that happen? Oh, it just happened. Oh, it just happened. Random acts, you know. The whole reproductive system. Oh, it just happened. Little tadpole. Do, 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 do. Gets to the egg. Let me in, let me in. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> Baby. That's like, oh, it just happened. It's just it, random acts. Know this. By believing that we evolved from animals, we deny any accountability to God himself. And with no accountability to God, it leaves us to act like animals. We can do as we please and embrace a theory of no absolute truths, creating our own standard of right and wrong. And this is what we do. There's no absolute truth. Hey, your truth is what your truth. Hey, bro, just do whatever you got to do. And this is why God has given a delusion to people. And here, just, here's just one little small example of the delusion. Are you ready? People will die for the rescue dog. Oh, the little rescue dog. Oh, man, we will die. Man, we will do everything. I'll invest all the money I have to save the whales, to save the seals. Oh, but the little rescue dogs and rescue cats, I will put my life in there. Me and my wife tried to, we tried to rescue a dog. And, and so they had us fill out this whole form and everything. And they rejected me on three different levels. And, and so we're all excited about getting this dog. So I thought it was kind of weird that I had to fill out like this eight page thing and send it back. And it had to go to a review board. And I'm like, hey, this dog's like headed for dungeon. Okay, just give me the dog, you know? And it's like, well, we, we've turned you down for three main reasons. You know, one was I was going to feed the dog Purina dog food. You know, so they said, that's the worst dog food in the world. How could you feed your dog that? I'm like, I don't know. I thought millions of dogs ate it. I don't know. I just put down Purina dog chow, whatever. You know, I don't know. I wasn't thinking what kind of food I was going to give him. That's number one. You're rejected. Okay. I go, well, well, what's the other two things? They said, well, you said on here, like if the dog went home and chewed up your brand new couch, what would you do? I said, I'd get rid of the dog. And they said, and they said that's unacceptable. And I'm like, well, what would you do? Well, we would just, you know, we would be patient with the dog and buy another couch. I'm like, okay. I go, what's the third reason? They said, they, you, we put down there, how much would you spend on cancer treatments if the dog came down with cancer? I said, zero. It's like, it's like, and they said, you are unacceptable to adopt this. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh my goodness, you know, okay, I'm not acceptable. Those same people, the majority, abortion, kill babies, kill them right in the mother's womb. The safest place the baby should be in the mother's womb. No, you can, you can vacuum that baby right out of there. And now if the baby is born alive, we can leave it on the table and let it die in two different states. Because that's legal. So we will rescue the dogs. We will be, we'll, we'll, we'll hold someone to the wire and we will not accept you to rescue this dog. It's just like an adoption process for a baby, but we'll kill babies. And it's like, how does that even make any sense? God has sent a delusion to those who haven't believed the truth. And what is the end result? The end result is what's disaster. It's what's happening in our world today. In the United States alone, since 1973, we've murdered 61 million babies right out of their mother's womb. 61 million. And that's just the ones that are accounted for. And as we see our world coming apart at the seams, the majority of the governments in our world today, 192 and 195 different nations in the world today, the majority are bankrupt. See, when you remove the God of creation, this is what you end up with as a result. Let me ask you, with all the weirdness and all the wickedness in our world today, does anything surprise any of us anymore? I mean, the shock value of the outrageous has now become standard news. Another mass shooting. Oh, well, bummer. What time's the game on? Another suicide. 
another parent killing their child. Did you read yesterday? The woman killed her two-year-old because he wouldn't finish his hot dog for lunch. A two-year-old. You killed your two-year-old because he wouldn't finish his hot dog. You beat him to death. This poor little baby. It's like, what, it's like, what's happening to our world here today? We have no God in it. That's what's happening. If a woman is missing, who's the prime suspect? The husband. If the husband's missing, who's the prime subject? The wife. Along with all the usual host of world disorder that we see from all the problems in the Middle East to the Far East. Nothing shocks us anymore. We live in a time and a place where people have forsaken the living God. And this is the result. And when we reject the one and only true God, the sky's the limit on what we will accept as truth. Which brings up our third and final point. Hiding their faith. Let's read what he says in verse 42. He says, nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. So we have even the rulers, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing Jesus. Least they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Oh. Have you ever said nothing when you should have said something? Choosing to mask your faith instead of standing up for the truth? I think we all have at one time or another. Like that time that the person that led me to Christ wanted me to put a bumper sticker, a Jesus loves you bumper sticker on my car. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. You know, I've been a Christian for like a day. You know, it's like, and and they had this drawer full of bumper stickers, Jesus loves you. And I'm just kind of like, and they had this one little one that said, you know, in God we trust. I'm like, okay, I'll take that one. And I put it on my bumper. And the very next day, it wasn't like a week later. It wasn't two weeks later. I wasn't able to grow in my faith just a little bit. No, 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 no. The very next day, as I worked at a motorcycle shop, I was going to lunch. The, the mechanics asked me to go lunch. And they were all cool guys, tattoos and, you know, scrappers. And I'm like, I get to go to lunch with all the scrappers, yes. And we're going to lunch. And we're walking by my truck. And they're like, the guy stops and goes, what is that? I'm like, No. Like, what is the chance of that happening? And I'm like, uh, 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 you know, in God we trust, we all pay cash. And he said, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I thought, oh, I just denied the Lord. I felt so horrible. It was the worst lunch of my life. I mean, I'm just like, oh, I was so bummed. You know, I think we've all made mistakes. And I said after that, I go, I, 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 will never did, I will never do that again. I can't believe I did that. But we've done it here and there. We've made those horrible mistakes before because we didn't want to offend others. Yes, it's so easy to hide our faith, to deny what we know is the truth, all for the approval of those around us. Well, this is what they were doing here also. Isn't it amazing how fashions change, styles change, technology changes, but the heart of man never really changes. The same things they were doing there is the same things we're still doing today. Yes, these people watched Jesus with their own eyes and they believed in him, but they opted for the approval of man over doing the right thing, over the approval of God. Let me ask you, what do you do? Jesus went on to say, as we read here in verse 48, he says, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings 
has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. We are accountable for knowing the truth. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself sent me, has given me this commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandments is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And once we come into the truth, we are accountable to speak the truth to those that are around us. Yes, today is a moment of truth for some. Do you live in the light or do you dwell in the dark? It's time for us to make a clear choice to stand in the light and to look forward to eternity in heaven with the one who made us. But on this side of heaven, we are the only Bible that someone might ever read. What are they reading in your life? That's all the time we have for today's message, but please continue to join us this week as we go through the Gospel of John in chapters 12 and 13. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.